Hello, everybody. Welcome to the See You on the Trail podcast, number four, episode number four. Um, we have a really cool uh, interview coming up for you. Um, it's a good thing. My name's Hitch. I'll be taking care of you today. Um, wanted to talk to you a little bit about our podcast and uh, ask you, please share it and uh, share it with all your social media. We're available on, gosh, on 10 different platforms, actually. Um, we base off of uh, Anchor. Uh, A-N-C-H-O-R, and then you can go to uh, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, YouTube, Facebook, and Radio Public. Make sure you click the like button, all that, and then we're also, forgot to tell you, we're on Facebook, and, um, oh, it already says Facebook and YouTube. I already told you that. Um, it's been a long week, guys. Um, been watching everything. Uh, at the time I'm recording this, this is actually the, um, this is Sunday uh, March 24th. So yesterday we got to see, um, the stampede for ultra four. And then, uh, I got a lot of updates and a lot of cool videos from, um, big meat run and Disney that happened this weekend. Um, congratulations goes out to, uh, Lauren Healy. He swept it, man. He took, uh, the ultra four win after that horrible, crazy roll on Friday. And then Saturday, uh, he took the ultra four 4,400 class win. And he also took the UTV class win, um, that, for last I heard, uh, the, the information I heard, they had to remove the bump stops on the rear after the roll cause it, it wasn't flexing the way he wanted it. So, uh, they just removed the bump stops, did a little bit of prep work and he ended up taking home the win, which is crazy. Um, Disney, uh, big meat run. Uh, it was completely from what I understand was a great success. We usually go out there every year, but, uh, we decided to take a year off and, and uh, do some things with the kids, and we also had a birthday party we had to go to. So, anyway, um, guys, please, I, I don't know how many times I have to say this, and and I, I, I try not to bug you with it too much, but like our Facebook, like our uh, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, uh, like all that stuff so we can continue to grow and possibly someday uh, might get paid for a podcast. <laughs> I doubt it, but that's fine. It's neither here nor there. I don't do it for the money. I actually do it for the love of it. I've been in the sport since 2007. Um, and we'll see you on the trail started in 2007. And we started out just showcasing trails and off-road vehicles and stuff like that. And then we moved into the racing industry in 2010, where we started doing, uh, since then we've evolved into doing rap designs, event announcing, um, social media moderation for numerous teams, video production. Um, we also organize um, what they call the racers lounge. And it's a, uh, it's a, uh, inherently right how uh, we mainly you do it with the unlimited off-road expo um which is formerly it started out in louisville kentucky now it's grown to go to be at texas motor speedway um atlanta georgia and uh this year would also be in nashville but we do the racers lounge where you get to actually meet and talk to and possibly take a ride in the race car with the driver and they can tell you exactly how they do everything and and how easy it is to get into racing and then also how hard it is to stay into racing um, the funny thing that everybody always talks about is, is there, can you make a million dollars being a race car driver? And the correct answer is yes. Only if you start out a billionaire, it's not a cheap sport. And, and everybody knows this, you go out, it's a, it's wheel, brake, repeat and, um, wheel, brake, replace, repeat is the way they call it. But, um, anyway, you can sit down and talk to them in the racers lounge. We will have, uh, we will be in uh, Texas Motor Speedway. In fact, we'll have our own little racers lounge area um, where we're going to take uh, people for rides here and there. Uh, the racers will be available for autographs and photos and and questions. There's there's all kinds of stuff that uh, um, 
that goes into having a race car and a race team and they will help you walk you through it and see if you can be available to do that. Um, so I, I really think that's, it's, it's neat. But, uh, I started that couple, three years ago. Uh, our first one was in Guthrie, Oklahoma, and it was a complete success. And then we just moved on from there. We did a, a Guthrie, uh, event. We did, um, uh, we've done two or th- well, this will be our third year at Texamore Speedway. And this will be our third year, um, on the East, East, side coast uh we did louisville for two years then we're gonna do nashville this year uh dates on that texas motor speedway april 6th and 7th um and it's at the texas motor speedway in the infield uh go to unlimitedoffroadexpo.com um or just google them you'll find them and you can buy tickets to that and come in and, and visit with us um but uh we have uh, just got a call, phone call today uh I've, I've got to um, replace one of our drivers that I announced, uh, Donovan Blair. He, he, uh, was doing really well at the Wolf Caves dirt right race this, this, uh, yesterday. And, um, he hit a rock real hard and it just split the transfer case in half. It took out his front drive line. And I think it took out his rear gear to, uh, to his, his rear end. His maybe, he think he thinks that the pinion gear or the, or the ring gear has a tooth missing, but he won't know that until he gets into it. He called me on the way home and, uh, let me know. So I got to get that replaced. I think I've got somebody else uh, already in line for that. Uh, this is sponsored by a Turo Tire. So uh, get out there. We're going to have some fun with it. Uh, we got Jay Eakin coming. Uh, he's with Sinister J Racing. Um, he's got a really cool Jim, Jim's Garage Ultra 4 car. Uh, I think he's set up right now to run in the 4800 class, but uh, he may change that up and run in the 4400 class in Ultra 4. But right now with Dirt Right, he just runs uh, the 4800 class uh, rules, I guess you used to say. Um, next, uh, May 4th and 5th, Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, we will be at the Nashville fairgrounds. Uh, I'm getting more details by the day about that. Should be a good time. I'm going to have a, uh, we'll, we'll know more about it in April whenever I go to Texmore Speedway. Uh, cause I'm going to sit down with Marvin and an Axel and talk about what we have going on for Nashville. So, um, we'll be there. And then, uh, June 14th, we'll be at the hobby Holly EFI clash at the crossbar, uh, at Crossbar Ranch in Davis, Oklahoma. I love going to this one. It's only 45 minutes away from my house. So uh, check it out. Uh, if, you, if you guys have never seen an Ultra 4 race, you need to go to this one. If you're close in the Midwest, come see it. It's fun. Um, today, who we have on the show, uh, a really good friend of mine I met back in 2011. Um, 2011, 2012, somewhere in there. He lived in Austin, Texas, Texas and owned a, uh, a fab shop there. Built a couple we rock cars that evolved into ultra four and dirt rock cars. And, um, his name is Cameron Chen and he's in Las Vegas. Now he owns a company called nefarious customs. So, uh, let's go directly to that and I'll quit rambling my mouth off and, uh, let's go directly to that interview and, uh, enjoy. And I'll see you at the end of it today. We're here with, uh, the owner of nefarious customs, uh, Mr. Cameron Chen. What's going on, man. Yeah, it's been a long time, Alan. I, I don't think I've seen you in a, at least a couple of years. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I mean, like I, we were just talking earlier, and I think it's with SEMA a couple of years ago, I ran into you and uh, um, one of the other guys that I'll have on the podcast, too. Um, he Was it Four Wheel Parts? No, it's not Four Wheel Parts. It's uh, Four Wheel Supply. Is that right? I can't remember. Oh, probably Joey. Joey. WD Factory. Yeah, w, that's it. That's it. Yeah, Joey was with you at that time. So, uh, and I, I keep saying I'm going to come out to your shop. Uh, if you guys don't know it, Nefarious Customs is based out of Las Vegas. And, uh, but our friendship goes a lot farther back than, uh, than Nefarious Customs, actually. Um, talk about, let's, let's start back out. Let's see. We met, I think, in 2011, 2012. 
and you built um oh well yeah to uh you built the the way i met you was through tony um and tony allridge and uh yes yeah that's right yeah we met back in the dirt riot days uh tell us how you started nefarious and where you're where you started out and what got you into four-wheel drives oh for sure okay well um about 2006 that's when I finished school. I started a Caltex Motorsports in Austin, and I was a rock crawler uh, through all my college days. We ended up uh, starting the Jeep Club, the Longhorn Off Road Club at University of Texas, and that kind of went into me just saying, "Hey, I really want to open a shop." Uh, I got together with a few of my friends, and we opened Caltex Motorsports. Did that for 2006 to 2012, and made a lot of friends in texas built tony arledge's rock crawler um race car um Tommy watley he was pretty successful in a pro mod buggy we built for him and uh just kind of went from there you got, got into desert racing and decided when my wife got an opportunity to move out to las vegas that i wanted to try uh, opening a shop out here and being closer to you know the, the desert racing scene very cool. Very cool. And, and I mean, you've, you've progressed since then. I mean, you opened up Nefarious Customs how long ago? Uh, shoot, 2012. So I guess seven years ago. Yeah. And you, what I like about, I watch your Facebook and everything else. And what I like about what you put together, it's not just your standard um, ultra four car or just your standard um, desert car. You guys do some unique builds. Um, what was one of the first unique builds that came out of uh, that came out of Nefarious? Oh, probably the Jeep J10 Freerunner we did. It's a uh, 82 Jeep J10 with a Viper V10 motor in it, one tons, you know, coilovers, four link, radius arms in the front, and uh, that that truck. You know, we were building a, a retro off-road truck for a great customer of mine that was always in love with J10s. That was the truck he wanted to have when he was a kid and couldn't afford it. And now that he sold her, he was like, hey, do what you would do if you were going to build it for yourself. So we've got a really, a lot of great customers like that here that that want to see their dreams, um, you know, come to fruition and uh, just kind of let me have a, a blank canvas. Wow. That's actually, that's that's hard to get a lot of the time. I mean, instead of getting some some picky guy about a four inch lift. They just tell you to go off and do whatever you want to make it look cool. And that's, that's awesome. We, yeah, we've been really fortunate out here. You know, when we were in Texas, um, Austin's probably not the <laughs> the best place for an off-road shop because most of the people that live there aren't really into off-roading and, and it's just a different kind of demographic. Um, and then the rock crawling community, while it's great in Texas, most of those people are kind of on the cheaper side of builds and don't spend the kind of money that kind of people on the West coast spend right. on their toys. So, you know, just, just coming out here and then being around where we can bring our cars to SEMA and showcase them. That's helped us a lot too. Um, you know, California being next door, I think their labor rates are so expensive that I've actually had a lot of customers track their cars up to me um, and have me build them and then take them back as well. Nice. That's, that's very cool. That's cool that you're getting it from California from everywhere. I noticed that um, people do so much gambling in Vegas and the cool thing is you're in Vegas and you actually don't, you don't, you don't have to gamble with you. You're going to get a good product at the end. That's cool. 
Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. That's another draw. You know, I can, I can say, Hey, you want to bring your car while you're, uh, while you're here, you can just take your wife out and you, know, you guys can go have a great weekend. And, and, uh, you know, maybe it'll be a little bit easier for, for your wife to, uh, to, uh, let you build your car if you're, if she's getting a vacation out of it. <laughs> very, very, very true. Um, now you've, you built, um, you built Tony's car, the, uh, the Crawltex car. Um, when you built the, the Crawltex car, um, what was, uh, what was something that was, uh, I guess, was it a new thing for you to build an ultra four car or was it something, um, was it something? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. That was, that was our first buggy. Um, you know, Tony is one of my, one of my best friends and he was really cool. You know, first we, we helped him build his YJ out with one tons. And, and finally he was like, Hey man, I really want to build a buggy. And at the time I didn't really know too many people with buggies besides my friend Hal Frost that used to compete in We Rock. Um, so I kind of looked towards his buggies. He has a twisted customs buggy and looked at their design to get a lot of inspiration. Um, so if you, well, his, his buggy's changed a lot since he's owned it, but if you looked at it when it first came out, there's a lot of styling cues that I borrowed from Jason Pauly. That guy is a really talented fabricator. One of the guys I've always looked up to. Yeah. Jason Pauly. He's that's old school. I haven't heard his name in a long time. He's an old school, old school <laughs> rock crawler. Um, yeah, I ran into him last year at Baja. He was racing a scrambler, um, and I was racing a uh, side by side. I guess that was uh, two years ago. But uh, he's still out there doing his thing. He just, um, you know, yeah, he just kind of he, moves around. Yeah, him and uh, well, of course, Kenny Bloom, and then um, who's the other guy that had the uh, he had the ZF axles on the and the We Rock crawling. Um, gosh, can't... oh man, I know who you're talking about. I can't, can't think of this always. Name. Always wore overalls, had a beard. Uh, yeah. I mean, but I remember him having the ZF axles and the unsprung weight. Everybody said was going to be a problem, but he was, uh, he was always, he was always placing. He was always on the podium. Yes. Yeah. Randy. Was. Randy Torbett. That's his name. Yeah. 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 But uh, so now Tony took his that that first race car. He took it, and I met him. I met you guys through Dirt Riot Racing. Um, and one thing, the one time I really remember that car, which I really caught on to watching it and everything else, is when we were in Bryan, Texas, and uh, he was the last possible finisher under time limit. And uh, <laughs> and the next thing we see is is him him driving and his co-driver, which I believe I think it was Mike. No, it wasn't Mike Seward at the time. I don't. Maybe it was Joey that was co-driving with him, but. The co-driver was out kicking the tires because they they had lost power steering. And oh, the, yeah, yeah. Matt, Matt <laughs> and, yeah, and then they were kicking the tires and trying to get around this pond and had like, they had like three minutes to finish in time. And it was it was really cool to show how the off-road community came together because legally under Dirt Riot rules, you have to be a racer to help any other racer. You can't be a spectator. It's a, it's a non, uh, non-chase race, I guess, is the way they is the way they say it but so every single racer that had finished all ran out there um and he was probably a hundred yards from the hundred yards from the finish and everybody ran out there and kept the tires straight and he finished the race within time so he got a he actually got a full checkered flag for the for uh dirt ride it was i've got that video on youtube somewhere i'll i'll post it up in the 
in the YouTube podcast where you can see the video, but it was, uh, that was a real neat thing to see everybody do. Yeah, that was a great moment. I think, uh, I believe it was like Brian Shirley and, uh, uh, and Levi that led the charge out there that everyone just, you know, everyone just ran out there and helped push that car across the finish line. Yeah. Dwayne Garrison, Levi and Brian and, um, Oh, every single racer, Mike Seward was out there with them. Um, and it was that was just a really neat. That was just one thing I remember about that car. Now he did go to uh, he went to KOH a couple times, didn't he? He did. And, you know that that car is is evolved quite a few times because we had really originally built him a rock crawler. He wanted to compete in We Rock, and then I was doing some uh, desert racing with uh, a guy with a Volkswagen and had him come out there, and, and he got the bug to go fast. So that's kind of why his his car is more of a progression car. And um, it has gone through so many different changes. But when it went to King of the Hammers, you know, I think he's done it at least two or three times with that car. Um, unfortunately, it's just older technology, and it was kind of an older suspension design. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know how Ultra 4 just keeps changing so incredibly fast. Right. That uh, he's kind of, I think he's made it more of a recreational wheeler, and he's teamed up with Carl Langerhans. And I think they, you know, kind of compete together and do a, a team effort with with uh, their brave motorsports car. Yeah, in fact, uh, as we're talking about this, they're all out at. Uh, I think the wolf. I think they're all at Wolf Caves right now. They're getting. They're qualifying today, right. I believe. Oh, okay, okay. But for dirt riot, of course. Um, now, once you moved out there to to uh, to Vegas, didn't you end up? You built your own Ultra Four car, didn't you? I did. I built a 4500 car, um, and I raced it a couple times. Ended up realizing that I really want something with IFS, so I ended up selling it. Um, John Mole bought it, and he realized he was too big, so he sold it. And I think that thing's been cut up and parted out by now. But um, I did. I tried to race Ultra Four, and I think. For my style of driving and like what I enjoy doing, I'm better at desert racing, like more long, um, longer races. Gotcha. Yeah. And you know, just uh, that's just kind of the style I like. Um, yeah. I, I just one of your the unique uh, things you did on that Ultra Four car. I love you had some of the, I don't know it, it, the, the the even just the panels on them were unique where nobody had been doing it yet. Um, how do you, what do you call it? And it's not dimple dies. It's something else. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. The, the bead rolling. Yes. Bead rolling the interior panels. Yeah. That was just, that was yeah. something unique and, and small. That's what I like about what the stuff that you do is some of the little intricate stuff that you do to your cars to make them unique. And you know, exactly, Hey, that's nefarious that did that. Um, what would you say your most intricate build has been since you've been at in Vegas with nefarious? Oh, probably my pre-runner Land Cruiser. Um, that thing's awesome. Yeah, thanks, man. I, I built uh, I built this car for myself, not really thinking about anyone else <laughs> and uh, like the implications of what it would have. It kind of went viral after I took the SEMA last year, um, but that wasn't really the intent. I, I was just trying to build a really cool retro uh, pre-runner, something that no one else had done. So I, I took a 72 Land Cruiser FJ40 uh chopped it in half, slammed it together to make a, you know, basically a pickup cab, mm-hmm. uh, like an FJ45, but it was at a little bit more room. And then I put it on a 2007 Tundra chassis. Huh. 
Very cool. And, uh, you know, decided to go that route. Um, four-wheel drive, IFS, you know, it was long travel, and uh, turned out to be a pretty cool pre-runner. Cool. That's just that's considered a pre-runner. You're not going to race that at all? Well, so the, the funny thing about that one, um, I, I spent so much time getting it done, and this guy from Dubai calls me, and, and like the day before SEMA is there, he's like, hey, I want to buy it. I'm like, dude, it's not for sale. You know, let me – I haven't even driven it. Um, I'm going to go – to uh, SEMA, then I'm going to go race the Baja 1000, and then you know we can talk about maybe building one. Well, the day I came back from the Baja 1000, he came, he flew in. I was like, hey, I gotta have this. So <laughs> he made me a great offer. Um, I'm gonna have to build another one now because it's in Dubai. It actually ended up there two weeks ago. No joke. Wow. And somebody somebody found that car from Dubai. That's that's a, that's that's unreal. Yeah, it was pretty. I mean, it's very flattering. Someone would, you know, come all the way out here. It was, you know, his first car was an FJ45, and he just loved it so much and had been watching the build, um, unbeknownst to me. And when it was done, he liked what, it, what he saw, and, and uh, you know, we'll just have to build another one, I guess. <laughs> well, that's that's what you're in the business for, so I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. For um, sure. Another thing, um, I noticed you really put a push on in the last few weeks. Uh, you put a push on, you have a new YouTube channel. I do, yeah. Um, it's just YouTube, you know, dot com backslash nefarious customs. Um, what I'm trying to do is really just, you know, pretty much the same thing you do. You know, a lot of a lot of people love racing, but don't get to see the behind the scenes stuff or or get to know about the person or you know the the trials and tribulations of racing. They really only get to see these bigger teams that are, um, you know, sponsored and have all the glamorous. Uh, you know, monster energy stuff. Right. Them, so uh, that's that. I mean, and what's know. really funny is is uh, I'm I'm still friends with all those guys, and but they don't actually need the services that I provide for promotional video because they have their big name sponsors that are doing it for them. Um, that's why I I usually do a lot of stuff behind the scenes and and racing stuff for the smaller teams that don't have those big huge sponsors like them. Um, but I mean, guys like Shannon and Lauren and. And uh, Eric Miller and all those guys. I mean, and I, I only, I only name off those because I know them real well through Ultra Four. I, I'm getting into the desert racing scene, but not as, not as hardcore yet. Um, I like, I've said in a couple of the, my other podcasts, I love watching BJ Baldwin's Instagram. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, he's but, entertaining. <laughs> and, and and it's usually not anything about racing because uh, lately he hadn't finished a race. <laughs> But uh, uh, <laughs> I'm giving him a hard time. Hopefully he'll come on the show that I give him a hard time. and He'll set the record straight for me. <laughs> but um, now something recently that you did, um, you ended up doing the mint 400. Was that with one of your cars or what was it? Uh, um, I had that. What, what car was it and how did it end up going? Oh, it went, uh, it went pretty, pretty terrible. <laughs> we, we, uh, We've got an old Penhall Class 1 car. You know, it's a great car. Um, my friend John Ramirez owns it, and we we partner together to prep and race it together. Uh, it's just older technology, and back in the day when it was built in 07, it was a killer. And his cars have won the Baja 1000 before. Um, great cars, but versus today's technology, again, just like Ultra 4, it's, it's changed so much where our... 550 horsepower, 19 inches to travel, 
and uh, 35 inch tires is not even close to what you need when there's trophy trucks destroying the race course with 40 inch tires, 42 inch tires, a thousand horsepower. You know, by, by the second lap, the holes are so huge, you're bottoming out pretty much through the whole course. Yeah, uh, so, it, it, it's amazing how it's all evolved. And like, and literally the past, I would say the past six years, it's evolved quickly. I remember when an Ultra 4 car, well, I, had, I mean, when it started in 2008, what, a $20,000 car won, or $30,000 right. car, and now <laughs> and now it's coming up to where it's a $350,000 to $400,000 car that it takes to win that 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 race now, which, granted, the, the terrain's changed, the race has gotten longer, um, the competition's gotten a lot harder. Um, I haven't been to King of the Hammers in three years, I think. And I don't even know half the racers when I used to know every single one of them. The, the, the turnover is unreal. Oh, I know. I mean, the day after King of the Hammers, you see, you know, 20 to 50 cars for sale. I think, you know, it, it's good for the sport because it's it's so popular, uh, you know, and it keeps growing and, and technology keeps changing. But at the same time, I don't think people realize they just spent a quarter million dollars to race one race. And as soon as it's out, you know, over, they're like, wow, I need to get my life together. I can't keep spending this kind of money. Yeah. It, oh, it, yeah. It's unreal. I, I mean, everybody calls me hitch for a reason. And it, and there's a reason why I drive a, a video camera and not, not an actual car. I see those guys' checkbooks just dwindle. It's crazy. <laughs> but I mean, well, that's, I mean, those guys that can more power to them. I mean, yeah. you know, there's, but it's the same thing. I, I haven't been to King of the Hammers, man, probably since 2015. Uh, that was the last time I was I was racing it, and uh, yeah, I didn't do very well. I think we made it 70 miles in that 4500 class car I built, and I can't even tell you who who the guys are now um, that are in each class. And now there's more, there's even more classes, so right. It's hard to keep up. It's it's neat to see the guys that were that were grassroots still on top though. I mean, you know, uh, the the Lauren Healy's, the Shannon Campbell's, the Derek West, the Eric Miller's. It's it's cool to see them grow as far as they have. But man, trying to get in it now, I I don't. Man, you've got to have a you've got to have a pocketbook to be able to get into it now. For sure. And For sure. Now back back to the mint. Tell us uh, tell us what ended up happening. Uh, what was that? Two weeks ago? Three weeks ago? It was, yeah. So we, we had just come off a high um, in November because that car, we were actually able to finish the Baja 1000 in, in it. And, uh, you know, we finished. We had a bunch of problems, but we were, were able to finish, got seventh place. So we had, you know, a lot of confidence in the car. Um, unfortunately, we had a wiring issue at race mile 12 that took out the ignition. Uh, we wired it back together and got to pit A so that they could fix that. And by the time we got it done, all the fastest cars had already done their, their first lap. So I had to get back on course with Bryce Menzies and Rob McCachran and Jason Boss and all the fastest guys right there. Um, it was pretty terrifying because I'm just, you know, our car is not at that level. Uh, but we made it, you know, a full lap around and uh, got fuel, started our second lap, lost brakes. Um, pretty much immediately, like 20 miles in. Then we got to the pit, um, found the leak, fixed it, and then another 20 miles, the front spindle just shattered. And we had these older style aluminum billet spindles that 
Ken Hall used when the car was first made, and that was they were really popular in racing because of the of how lightweight they were. Um, but back then, ten years ago, the holes weren't as big, so you you know the course wasn't as rough. And as it, as racing has gotten worse and worse, and, and the courses are harder, they decided to stop using that design and go to a chrome only sheet metal spindle. And we we really didn't know <laughs> that That's ours. Ours were outdated because we we've just been running the car and never had a problem with them. But um, this is this is the race they decided to let us know. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a bummer. I I uh, I really want to get out there to the mint. Maybe next year. I I've got about three or four bucket lists on mine, and the mint is one, and Baja Baja One Thousand is the next one, and then I also want to hit Nora. Nora looks like Nora looks like more fun than Baja to be honest. But the Nora One Thousand. Yeah. More is it more? I've never been to Nora, but it looks more like a party than uh, yeah. anything else. Yeah, so, it's it's everybody it's wanting to have a it's, yeah. It's one. It's everybody wanting to have a good time more than anything, and and not not concentrate so much on who wins. You know, so uh, uh, someday I'm I'll I'll get out to all three of those. Um, now, whenever you start a build with with Nefarious, um, do you start out? Um, do you start out with a computer program or Bintech or or something like that, or you just go? <laughs> Or do you just say, um, dude? I'm, I'm actually pretty old school. I, uh, I actually, you know, I take basic measurements and I masking tape it out on the ground with uh, protractors and and tape measures, and I use that as my um, my basis for bending tubes and twisting it. So everything I do is actually more one off by hand. Um, I do have a CNC table that I do brackets and can do all that kind of stuff with. But mm-hmm. as far as the, the tubing bending, um, I'm, I'm more, more old school and just go for it. Um, if we get to a point where I'm not building one-off stuff and, you know, people just have to have something that they, that I've already done it's and love the design, I'll probably take it to California and I've got a company that can laser scan my work and just replicate it in a CNC tube notcher laser vendor. You know, they've yeah. got that whole that whole setup. Nice. Um, but it would it would take you know it would take a lot of I don't know it'd take a lot of interest to to do that because you know just the just the man hours and um, production cost to do that is is pretty considerable. Oh, I, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I, I, uh, I've watched the guys uh, whenever. Uh, what not not donkey? What is it? Uh, goat built. Uh, when goat built started to get real popular with their uh, basically car in a box, race car in a box. Uh, sure. Uh, I know Slauson tried to do it, and I know Tribe did one one or two as well. And I, the the cost is almost astronomical to get all that laser cut, get it right, and so somebody can put it together in their garage. I, I'm sure Goat Built's still doing well. They just haven't been on the race scene as much as I've, as, as, as much as the last few years that I saw them. So that's crazy. But, uh, for sure. Well, yeah, actually, Alan, I, I mean, to give you an idea, I, I, we're considering about, uh, we're considering building a 6,100 truck, um, spec trophy truck pretty soon. And if all goes right, we're going to try to laser scan the chassis and sit down with the guys that are working with our suspension um to do the same kind of thing but 
even that, we're talking like 20 sticks of tubing, all laser cut and notched um, with a key base so that you basically just slot it and put it all together and ratchet strap it, hold it yourself. I mean, it's still going to be, you know, 40, 50 Gs as a kit. Wow. So those guys that are selling those go-fill kits for five grand, I mean, I don't know how they're making any money. Uh, it's 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 amazing. Now, I know, I mean, that old, uh, I don't know if you, you I'm sure you know uh, old Doug Jackson out of Decatur, Texas. Um, yes, yeah, he, yeah. He still has his goat-built car. I was out there last weekend at his at his place. He still has the old goat-built slash tribe car that he raced um, when he first started racing. He still has it. It's actually still for sale, believe it or not. I mean, they, they seem to still hold up, at least the chassis do. That's awesome that they're... I mean, uh, you also got Adam though. He's, he's yeah. a master. He can he can add whatever that car needs to make it, you know, make it last. Yeah, especially when Adam uh, when Adam rolled it and had to change the whole top on it. <laughs> right. <laughs> he was. Did you hear about that? He was testing at Bridgeport. Um, this is right before Doug really got it. Was Doug just bought that car? They put it together for him. He took it out to Bridgeport to to test and tune it. Ended up getting a end up basically rolling it at speed during shock tuning and screwed up. He had to cut the whole top off the whole top off the goat built chassis. And that's where the, the hybrid started with tribe 16. So that was, Oh, okay. Yeah. But, and then it just started growing from there. And then, and then, uh, Adam just kind of tweaked it and made it, made it part, part tribe chassis, part goat built. But, uh, it's still in, it's still in Doug's garage, believe it or not. <laughs> but, uh, now, what do you got? What do you got in the shop right now? Uh, I've got a '67 Mustang Fastback that we're uh, doing a total track car build out of it. It's a, a full chassis car with a with a real frame with IFS uh, front, four link rear. We're going to do a Coyote uh, late model motor swap with a six speed Tremec, and we've got an FJ45 crew cab that was imported from Egypt. We're going to put that, I guess we're going to do LS3, 4L80, and an Atlas, one tons and whatnot. Um, got a 93 Ranger race car that we're doing some Howl power steering upgrades. And we've got an 82 CJ7. I'm doing an LS2 swap in and forward linking, and it's going to be just a street legal pre-runner. Very cool. I think that's it. <laughs> that's awesome man and i know you probably have more on the books coming in now where in vegas are you located what's your address are you are you uh are you close to the strip or where are you at oh i can see the top of the uh what is that one that looks like a pyramid the mirage uh luxor i think oh. is what that is luxor that's right yeah i can see that from my office we're literally two blocks two blocks west of the 15 which is runs uh, parallel with the strip. Okay. So we're at fifty one fifty one uh, Procyon Street, and zip uh, zip goes eight nine one one eight. Um, we're basically Tropicana. If you just went straight across from the strip, okay, you can find us. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I got your address. Um, you've got a YouTube channel. Um, tell us what that is again, and I'll I'll put a link in here. But just tell them. Yeah, this one. It's YouTube backslash Nefarious Customs, and Customs is for the K. Okay, customs with the K, and then um, you're really active on Facebook. If you guys want to go see some of their their Facebook pages, just look up Nefarious Customs, right? Yeah, Facebook, Instagram, we do it all. We try to keep 
um, our our customers, uh, you know, uh, customers involved and, and let them know exactly what we're doing every day. So I try to post at least every day, uh, if if not every other day, and uh, you can see what we're working on and what we're what we're up to. Good deal. Um, now you you're doing some desert racing. Um, are you guys going to go down to San Felipe? Um, well, the car is pretty messed up right now. So <laughs> we, uh, we're waiting on Jerry to, to Jerry Penn Hall to get us some new front hubs. Uh, I'm sorry, new front front spindles built. And once we get that back on the ground, I've got to pull the mother out. And we started the race without reverse. So <laughs> we've got to suspend the transaxle out and have that completely rebuilt. So once it gets back together, we'll kind of see where we're at, what races are are close and uh, where we are versus just starting to build our 6100 truck. So um, we're kind of up in the air right now, but hopefully we can at least have something together before the Baja 1000. That's kind of jolling our jolling my uh, yearly pilgrimage. Um, if, if we can't race anything else, we try to race a thousand just because it's such a, such a great time. Yeah. So, well, very cool. Um, you got a phone number that people can get a hold of you at and an email address. Absolutely. It's 702-758-5227. And if you need to send us an email, it's just our company name, Nefarious Customs at Gmail. Very cool. Well, man, I appreciate it. I, I need to get out there. Uh, I, I say it every year I'm at SEMA. I always say, can I come by your shop? And you're like, come on. And I, uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I never, I never tend, I, for some reason I can never get off the strip or Fremont or SEMA. It's those three places that get me in trouble every single time. And, uh, Oh, it's hard, man. SEMA, SEMA is, is such a rush. You get to see all all your friends, all the new stuff going on. It's, it's really hard to get away. Yep. So, uh, but you can make it, you know, I'm glad to have you. I'll, I'll let you give you a total shop tour. You can see everything we're working on. Very cool. Well, I, I, I might plan it. My girlfriend's never been to Vegas. So uh, this summer we're going to plan on doing a, a small two or three day trip out there and I'll, I'll give you a holler when that happens. Oh, cool. Cool. So, yeah. If we got any of our, our toys back together, we'll take you out to the desert and uh, you know, if you can, you can see what the mint course is really like. Yeah. Without, uh, yeah. No, know, yeah. Take you, that's so awesome. Take you out to the desert. It's like a 10 minute drive to the desert for you, isn't it? Yeah, we're really fortunate. We can go test all of our customer vehicles and our race cars. We're we're literally like twenty minutes away from uh, the the northern tip of the Mint 400 course. Oh, that's awesome! I'll never forget. I uh, it was in uh, I think it was 2015. I was at SEMA, and a friend of mine that's in the gaming industry he came down and he met us in Vegas, and he told me he told me the night that we hung out. He goes, "If if I disappear, don't worry about it. I'm just doing Vegas." So sure enough, he did. He disappeared and was gone all night long. Well, the next morning, <laughs> the next morning, I uh, all all of our friends that I was with, they said, "What happened to your buddy that that came down?" He, I said, "Well, he said he went to do Vegas, and about that time, a phone number he texted me, and he was in the desert, and he saw a donkey on the side of the road, and thought that was the coolest thing in the world, and sent a picture of it to me." <laughs> <laughs> It was like, well, I guess he's alive. I guess we're good to go. <laughs> so yeah, this town, a lot of weird stuff happens. You never know what's gonna what's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no joke. Well, man, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I know you're busy with all your builds and everything. And uh, thanks for doing the podcast. Um, uh, next up, I've I've got some. Uh, you'll be the, you're actually the second builder that's been on here. I'm gonna go ahead and try to get some racers on and 
maybe uh, we'll work a deal out and get uh, some of your racers on, some of your customers that are racing uh, on the show as well. Oh, cool. Very cool. Cool. Well, thanks, Cam. Uh, I will talk to you later, and hopefully I'll see you this summer. Yeah, it's great to talk to you, Alan. All right. See you later, bub. All right, and we're back after that interview. Cam, thanks for doing that. I hope you enjoy it. Um, hope you enjoyed doing the interview with me. It's a little bit different. Um, we kind of do a free form. Whenever I get on an interview, a phone interview, we just free form and talk about uh, some of the old things and the new things coming up. Uh, make sure you check out his YouTube channel. He's doing a lot of cool stuff there. He's kind of doing more behind the scenes, kind of like what I do, uh, which he said on the interview. So uh, make sure you check that out. Um, Check out his Instagram. He's got some of the coolest, unique cars. He does. He doesn't do just like a four-inch lift on a Jeep or a four-inch lift on a on a Chevy or a Ford. He uh, he basically does one-off stuff. F uh, FJ forty-five, and he's done a couple bugs. It, it's it's really cool to watch his uh, his page. Every time I get out to Vegas, I keep saying I'm going to go to his shop, and I haven't made it there. So um, anyway, but uh, let's talk about a little bit more. Um, we missed. Uh, Another another event that we missed. Uh, you may we flew over it. I actually went out flying with a friend of ours, and we flew out over the Rednecks with Paychecks event, which is in uh, St. Joe, Texas. And I I kind of want to touch on this. I I really think the event is awesome. Um, and they have their 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 um clientele is a little bit different and not something that I'm used to. I'm used to a real uh, race driven crowd not a party-driven crowd. Um, but I wanted to ask you the question. Uh, if you guys saw my Facebook post, it, it kind of got out of hand, but uh, about, I mean, somebody died there. Let's just get the elephant in the room out. Somebody has died there. Um, the last three or four events, something's happened, and uh, have we've lost the life of one of our fellow wheelers. And uh, I kind of want to talk about that. The only reason I want to talk about it is I've always been told if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. So I'm trying to figure out a solution to help Rednecks with Paychecks stay open so everybody can still have a good time. I mean, this this place is five, six hundred acres, I believe, and it and it brings in close to forty thousand people every single year, and and on numerous occasions, not just one event a year. It's usually I think there's two or three events that happen every year, and it brings in a ton of people and looks like a lot of fun. I've never been there, but. Uh, Looks like great Barbie Jeep races, mud races, mega truck races, but something has to be done with the safety and and uh, the the safety of of the spectators and uh, the event people that are there. Um, I have talked to a few of the volunteers and some of the guys that are that are pretty prominent in that with that company, and um, we're trying to figure out an option. Um, I would love for you to comment below, uh, either on YouTube or Facebook. So I can see it and and tell me what you think a solution is. The rules are in place. Um, the, the there's there's volunteer police officers there. There's paramedics there. When we were flying over there, we saw a medevac um, helicopter land there while we were flying over and around it. Um, but it seems like the the uh, patrons of the event are not adhering to the rules. Um, the details of it, from what I understand, this last problem was. Uh, there was a guy on a four-wheeler with a passenger, and he ran head-on into a side-by-side. -side, um, and he had a the driver of the four-wheeler had a blood alcohol level of level of over 0.14, which is completely illegal um, when you're driving a motor vehicle. And um, 
the the passenger um it, it due to WFAA I believe is who it is they reported that uh, they were hit by a white truck and that's not that's not com it's completely not true um the passenger said he thought he got he felt like he got hit by a truck he didn't know but he passenger was fine driver unfortunately passed away um the guy driving the side by side that he that was hit he had a blood alcohol level of 0. 0.000 so it was no part of his fault but he ended up he ends up with the burden of dealing with that problem um i've, I've had this happen in my personal life where you have to deal with uh, was it your fault was it not your fault but um my question to you is what do you think we can do to eliminate the 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 bad things at the events like uh deaths i mean there's there's been deaths at uh at a dirt right race um they are few and far between i believe there's only been one but uh it was due to somebody being an idiot is basically what it boiled down to uh he got into the race course uh trying to take pictures and and unfortunately lost his life um but uh anyway my thought is we start something to the to the effect of um, almost shaming the dumb people, the people that are doing stupid stuff and hopefully and not getting in, not getting hurt, but they're doing dumb stuff that you want to tell them, don't do that. Um, that would be my suggestion. Um, I think I've, I've talked to a couple of friends of mine and I think, uh, one of them is going to actually start a page. I mean, it's don't be stupid, stupid. Um, and it's going to be called the off-road edition. And basically I, I hope Basically, police your friends. Police your friends and tell them, don't do stupid stuff, guy. Don't be stupid, stupid. Um, I think that may help us tremendously because, for instance, what we're talking about with RWP is uh, it's the, the, the rules, the regulations, the waivers, all that is in place. There, there's actually there's plenty of volunteers, plenty of police officers, plenty of paramedics, plenty of first responders that are at this event. Um, it's just that people do not adhere to the rules and that's where people get hurt. And so uh, don't be stupid, stupid, hashtag it and, and show some stupid things. If you look on my YouTube, I actually have one that's uh, it's a small video from Big Meat Run last year. And it was called Don't Be Stupid, a Stupid Award. And um, it shows a guy that um, they're obviously having fun, which I think is really neat that they're having fun. But they had they were doing some of the worst safety practices that. I've ever seen. And that's going to get you shut down to where we aren't going to have the ability to, to wheel in places such as Disney. Um, Disney is not private property. Disney Oklahoma is not private property is actually owned by the GRDA, which is the Grand River Dam Authority. And they do police it. They police it hard. Um, but they're not rude about it. And they know you're out there to have a good time. They just don't want you to be stupid and end up hurting somebody. Um, Disney Oklahoma uh, the GRD police, uh, I've had meetings with them, the GRDA, and uh, they basically said, just don't be stupid, stupid. Um, if you have a drink, uh, have a drink outside of your vehicle um, when you're driving. Make sure you do not have an open container in your vehicle at all. Um, I mean, this brings it all the way to also have a trash bag. Take out your take out your trash. Litter, clean up your litter. I, don't, I hate it when I see somebody that just dumps trash out, and it's just... Uh, Throws a beer out of uh, out of a, out of a vehicle. That's just dumb and it's stupid. Um, I'm here to, uh, I'm basically here to um, make it apparent, uh, bring awareness to the situation and the problem that we're having, and 
we want to have a roundtable of sorts to figure out how to fix that problem. So anyway, uh, I'll get off my soapbox now. Um, I do want to remind you, guys, we'll be at uh, April 6th and 7th. We'll be at Texas Motor Speedway. We're doing the Racers Lounge. I've got two Rock Bouncers and um, two Rock Bouncers and two Ultra 4 guys that'll be there signing autographs, taking pictures. Um, as I always say, running for mayor and kissing babies. Uh, it's a way for those guys to really get their name out and their race team out. So um, make sure you do that. Um, come out and see us if you're in that area. Next is uh, May 4th and 5th in Nashville, Tennessee. Same thing, Unlimited Off-Road Expo. I'll let you know what racers we have as we get closer. And then June 14th, we'll be at the Holly EFI Clash at the Crossbar in Davis, Oklahoma. Uh, I don't believe I'll be media there. I'll just be there to spectate. Um, I might be able to sneak in a couple interviews with some of the drivers um, at their pit or something like that, but I won't be on course uh, shooting anything. Um, so uh, make sure you check us out. Uh, YouTube, subscribe to us, please. We really need your help there. Uh, Facebook, subscribe to us as well. Instagram, we're growing on Instagram. It's getting better. Also, we're on Twitter. Uh, you can check us all. And all you have to do is spell out, see you on the trail. No spaces, just spell it out. Um, guys, we have other people on the uh, on the show coming up. Um, next interview we got, next, uh, next week or the next two weeks, somewhere in there, we'll have uh, Levi Shirley um, from Lucky Dog Racing. He took, uh, he took ninth, uh, very respectable at the Stampede within his Campbell chassis. Um, very, very cool to see that. Um, we've got Brandon Powell from Southern Missouri Off-Road Ranch. Um, the Campbell family, uh, Campbell Racing, said they would love to do something, but they're kind of in the heat of, of racing right now, their racing schedule, so they don't have too much time. Um, Axel and Marvel Stammel, which I talked about before with the Unlimited Off-Road Expo. Um, Kenny Forbes, of course, with Hollywood Motorsports, he did finally agree to me to have a interview. So um, anyway, this will this will end up uh, this will stop the podcast. This will end the podcast for number four, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, if you have any questions at all, feel free to email me at seeyouonthetrail at gmail.com, or you're welcome to comment um, on YouTube or Facebook and uh, give a thumbs up to us on all the other stuff that you're listening to us on. Um, and let me, I'll tell you that one more time. We are on Anchor Podcast, Apple Podcast, Google, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, YouTube, Facebook, and Radio Public. So you guys are welcome to uh, go check those out, listen to our podcast, tell us what you think. And uh, guys, we'll see you on the trail.